Hey, you're listening to the Doe Post podcast. I'm your host, Adam Doe. I just got wired internet for the first time in my house and a Blue Yeti mic, so got the proper podcasting tools in place. Uh, those aren't endorsements. I'm just very happy with what I just purchased. Uh, no more lag during my Zoom call, so I thought it'd be a good idea to continue podcasting. Uh, my friend Zombie's back on the show to do NBA questions for non-NBA fans. It's the segment where he asks me whatever he wants about the NBA, and we usually have a good discussion about it. So thanks for listening, and here's Sami. So my friend Sami's here. Welcome back to the show, Sami. Uh, thanks for having me here again, Adam. So this is, uh, I changed the name of the, the, the idea. It's answering NBA questions for non-NBA fans. I feel like the answering sports questions kind of doesn't work if the only sport I know is basketball. No, we've been pretty much just covering basketball all these times. Yeah, like very, and then very shallow football questions, I think you asked sometime. Yeah, I I don't even know enough about football to ask any deeper questions. Yeah. All right, this time I uh, told Sami to come up with 10 questions, NBA-related, but this time I actually did research on them instead of last time where I was just thinking on top of my head. So in theory, this episode should be better than the previous times we recorded. Um, yeah, so Sami, go ahead. Question one. Well, then, my first question is just about, like, uh, so, like, what's going on with basketball with, like, lockdown going on and all? Well, a lot of things. Um, players are kind of spread out across the country and world right now because they're not required to stay uh, within the city anymore that they play in. So, you know, a Laker player could be in New York right now. I feel like there's someone in New York, I don't know who, but there probably is someone uh, uh, in New York. Um, So everyone's just like scattered across the states, maybe even other countries. Yeah, because the thing is their families, they probably don't live in the same city as them. Maybe like LeBron where, you know, it's maybe easier for, for them to just move across the country and, and just find a house right away and move their kids. But uh, most players, they don't make the same amount of money as LeBron, right? So their, their wives and kids, they might be in another state. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot. There should be a lot of players that, that moved out of their um, market, as we call it. But then, uh, so that's players, uh, league wide, uh, the commissioner, he's like in charge of making very important decisions for the future. They're talking about maybe moving to Disney world. Um, maybe all 30 teams, maybe not, but they're, they might all 30 uh, teams fit in Disney world. Yeah. It's a pretty big, big area. That's why, um, Vegas and Disney world, they're kind of in talks with the league to, uh, continue the season there and then have playoffs there as well. But right now, Disney World is a leading contender for that. Uh, it's only just, it's just because they have the room to accommodate all the players and maybe their families and also all the basketball staff for the, the 30 teams potentially. But well, we yeah, don't know. There'll be a lot of people then because you have the team plus like their, will their managers be coming to and everything? Yeah. All the side staff. Yeah, but they're they're trying to find ways to like keep that number of people to a minimum. Um, it's it, it'll be a bubble, right? Where players and staff 
they'll they'll be encouraged to stay within the bubble. But if they could leave, just whoever like they need to interact with like immediately. Yeah, and you know a lot of you know they're probably talking about the sanitary procedures and cleaning and whatever. Um, but then the idea is they'll be playing games like all day um, to get either if if they choose to continue with the regular season. There's about like ten games left on average for everyone, maybe a little more, a little less to get to the 82 games. Um, they're talking about doing that and then continuing on to the playoffs as normal, or they're uh, not playing any more regular season games and just going straight to the playoffs where the top 16 teams in the East. These like the current standings to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. The current standings, which becomes a problem for the teams that are like borderline so we're talking they have no chance then pretty much to let's yeah. like rank up right so if they it's in their favor to continue the regular season and um keep playing games and hope that they win so that they can get into the eighth seed or seventh seed so i think yesterday yeah yesterday was reported that sham sharanya he's like this nba insider where he knows a lot of people so they feed him a lot of information right so he's yeah. a reporter who reported that um, Friday night NBA GMs were sent a survey about um, options. What what NBA they thought? GMs? Uh, GMs, 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 general general managers. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were surveyed on a list of options, um, and they were supposed to provide their opinion on um, those options for how to move forward with the season. So those options are. One, go directly to playoffs, 16 teams, four rounds, best of seven, like I said. There's this option called playoffs plus where uh, giving uh, more teams will get the opportunity to play in the playoffs because some are borderline. Uh, there'd be this thing called a play-in tournament, which is an, an, a new idea that people have been talking about this season, um, even before the pandemic, where the, the borderline teams, they would get a chance to fight for the last one or two spots. Um, so how do I explain this? So does that mean like whoever's in the last one or two spots already could probably have a chance to be dropped down? Um, I think, I think, I think the idea is that for the seventh and eighth seeds in the East and West conference, instead of just like, what what usually happens is that there's a tiebreaker. So um, there'd be like two or three teams that have 49 wins each, for example. Uh, but if there's three teams that have 49 wins, but there's only two playoff spots, then not all three can make it, right? So yeah. the idea of the play uh, the play in tournament is that uh, the last, the, you know, the last the borderline teams they play against each other to compete for the seventh or eighth seeds. And the the format isn't totally um, defined yet. Like how many how many wins? Like you just have to beat the other team once or something like that. Um, but your question was more like, are there is there anything that's being talked about right now that could be extended to the future? And that's one of them, which is the playing tournament because people just feel it's kind of unfair that in the West where teams are just naturally better that it's a lot harder to make the playoffs in the West versus in the East where you could have a losing record. You could like lose more games than you won, but you could still make the playoffs that's happened in the past couple of years. 
So they're saying like a lot, like some of the better teams are getting filtered out just because the competition of the West is so much more, right? Right. Yeah. So some people think, um, like some some teams in the West that don't make the playoffs, they should they like they deserve a playoff seed way more than some Eastern team that lost more games than they won for the season. That's the problem. Oh yeah. So this. So what's this tournament going to be? Would be called again? A play-in tournament where you play, play you play, you play to enter the tournament, which in this case, the tournament is just the NBA playoffs. And uh, yeah, so and then there's a group stage in round one where uh, all the, all the teams like it doesn't matter if you had the best record, all the teams they're they're just entered into like groups, and then they kind of go against each other in a bracket just to try to see like who gets into the playoffs. Um, yeah. Wait, so in like the group stage, everyone would just enter like another like sub tournament to get into the playoffs, kind of? Right. So so it's like in the play in tournament, it's just only the borderline teams. They would compete against each other to fight for the last one or two spots. And but in this tournament would be all the teams, right? Yeah, in the group stage, it would replace round one of the playoffs where um each team they play two games against each group opponent and then the top two teams from each group they advance to the next round so this is like an entirely new um a new way a new playoff format i think not sure but um yeah so so the problem with the group stage is that wouldn't that just like void like all the previous games pretty much that people like play to get to like the top like eight seeds for each conference Right, and then the group stage, because the players haven't been playing basketball for almost three months now. So not like peak capability? Yeah, so they're talking about um, when, if they, when they decide on everything that every team, they'll get like two weeks to just train in their own cities, and then they'll get to Florida, and then they'll train for a week or two more, and then they'll start playing games just to get, like, get back in the motion of things. But the problem is that even if every player, they have time to like, they've gotten time to get healthy again. When you kind of get out of the rhythm of doing things, you, it's kind of hard to find that rhythm again sometimes, right? It's just yeah. like in normal life, not just basketball. Because we went off like most of the season, like we're from where we left off on, right? Right. So and now you have to basically start from like a kind of like a long break pretty much. Yeah, so every every option that they've laid out here, I haven't even gone through all the options yet, but there's no singular option where everyone benefits. There's always certain uh, amount of people or teams that are effective negatively by the options. So, for example, the, if you the continuing the regular season like normal and going to the playoffs like normal, that would require teams that like for sure we're never going to make the playoffs anyways to continue playing for no reason at all so take the warriors for example they have i think the second worst record this this season if we continue with that option they'd be forced to not forced but they'd be required to play out the regular season for 10 or so games even though they get nothing after that they're, they're just, you know, risking their, their lives by being in the bubble with other people that may be infected. 
Oh, okay. Then uh, I actually misunderstood the playoffs option at first because I thought you meant that like they're just going to straight up skip like the 10 games and go straight to playoffs. Oh, so there's several options on the survey that was sent to the GMs, right? So the first option is just like continue as normal, which is uh, the playoffs. We, 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 we weren't at the playoffs part of the season yet. We were still yeah. about 10 games away from the playoffs. So the first option is just like continue everything as normal is just continue it in a different location. But that option, it doesn't really help against for the people who were never going to make the playoffs anyways, because those games were just would just be pointless. And normally, if you know the world wasn't going through a pandemic right now, um, people would just still those still play those games without complaint. Yeah, so there'd be no issues because that's just regular basketball. But now, like all this, like people have to move everywhere, and there's a lot of like, setup required for all of this. Yeah, and then in this case. There, you'd be asking those players that were never going to make the playoffs to um, wish, risk their lives for the inter- entertainment of like everyone else. Yeah, because imagine being like one of those players who are like in one of those teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, just being called all the way from like wherever they're at right now, like in a different state, to go to like Disney World and then just like play like as play those games and not train and like do all that training, but they won't even have a chance to make it. Right. And then I said earlier that Disney World has the potential to accommodate families as well. But if you think about it, it's pretty unlikely for that to happen because you'd be bring- reduce like the amount of people there as much as possible. Yeah, you'd be, bring- you'd be bringing in more people to the bubble and that's kind of unnecessary. So bringing in families doesn't make sense if you yeah. your intention is to keep the bubble safe. Um, what else? What else? Oh, another thing, uh, part of your question that, uh, people are talking about right now that, uh, that could possibly change how, uh, things are done for the future, which is if, if basketball does come back, right. The, the end, the ending date for, for this season, right. Where someone wins a championship, this most likely will happen sometime, um, by labor day. September 15th, October 1st, October 15th, or November 1st. So usually the new season always starts sometimes in October, October 20th or so. Yeah. But in this case, the next season might have to start like in December or something because a lot of things happen on the NBA calendar that we've had to postpone because of the pandemic. One of them is like the the draft where college players get drafted by teams, right? That that had to yeah. be postponed. Next, uh, free agency where people, uh, some players' contracts, they expire after this season. So, so you that, need like all the time for all of those to happen, right? Yeah. Another thing is just like the, the general off season where players can get some rest before the next season starts. Yeah. So when you take all of that into account, the next NBA season can't happen earlier than like December 20th. Yeah, they need to like uh, basically have the same amount of time from the end of the season to the start of the next season as they would like normally. Yeah. But so, everything's delayed. So Yeah. So some people are proposing that we should take uh, take advantage of this pandemic and just keep that as the format going forward because that way we, w- we won't have to compete with the other major sports during the year because uh, starting in October, 
The problem is that the NFL just started and most people watch the NFL. More people watch the NFL than they watch basketball. So if you move it to December or even later, the NFL will be ending already. The Super Bowl will be coming. Uh, no baseball yet. Um, college basketball is, ends in March. So that's... Then like, all the attention beyond the NBA then. Right. Um, I just like from watching videos with um, people in the NBA, like GMs or CEOs, they just reference the falling ratings of the NBA this season. And it's like a trend lately. So this idea is just like to take advantage of the time where um, there's nothing going on in sports. Um, but the problem with this idea is that the later you start the season, that means that um, players would have to play in like the summertime where their kids might be off from school. And that's like kind of the vacation time. So they wouldn't, so they had less time with their families then. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's it. That's it for question one, Sami. Yeah. Well, then you want to move on to question two? Let me just check my notes really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Question two. Okay. Well, now this is more of a history question. Were there any rule changes in the past that like altered like the whole like nature of what how you like people play basketball? Or is basketball generally like the same game as it was when people first started playing it? No, it's just like really different, like way different from when they started, right? This is 1950s or even earlier where uh, James Naismith was the famous inventor of basketball. Um, but I'd say it's not even attributed to just the rule change, but changes in like the design of the basketball court itself because it used to not have a three-point line at all. So every shot was just like two points. Um, so when was the three points introduced then? Good question. I didn't think to look this up. Let me guess. 1970-something. 19, I'll check your guess. According to Wikipedia, three-point line was first tested at the collegiate level in 1945. That's a thing where they try to test things like in other places before they bring it to the NBA. So, so it's now, just like they're play testing it. Yeah, so now when they, they test new things, they usually test it in uh, the G League first. The G League is like, you know, the minor league, the junior varsity compared to the varsity. Or they test it at Summer League, uh, the event that I'm associated with. Um, and then the first basketball league to have the rule was uh, the American Basketball League. It's just like one of the predecessors of the NBA, 1961. So I was off by 10 years. Well, that seems like a lot, but then the grand scheme of things, uh, around the same area, I guess. Three years later, June 1979, NBA adopted the three-point line for a one-year trial for the 1979-80 season. So, Wait, so the NBA didn't... Uh, I thought you said the NBA was like later than the American Basketball League, right? Yeah, I said American Basketball League. They had it um, in 1961, and then... 1979, the NBA uh, had like a trial for the three-point line. Oh, wow. So it took like 19 years for that to become a thing after like the American Basketball League tested it? So the three-point line now, like it makes sense to us just because of the analytics and just like 
the general increase in intelligence for people who watch basketball or talk about it. But if you like go back to those times, the general consensus was that there's uh, no, no one really shot like that far. So therefore a three point line doesn't, um, it, it won't make sense that much because all the players back then, most of them, they were really big and strong and they just played like close to the basket. Like it was this really common sense where, uh, the closer you are to the basket, the easier it will be to make points. And therefore, the strategy is get the biggest guys and the tallest guys and have them stand near the court and then just catch the ball and just throw it near the near the basketball uh, hoop. Right? Oh, yeah. So Interesting. The three-point line was – it was created just so you can have more room. So – if you look at videos from like the seventies or sixties, you see like they're all just like crowded around like the basket. Yeah, yeah. So part of the the line the line was just to open it up and have more people like spread out, That's just to give like incentives <clears throat> so people can like shoot like from further instead of just like crowding all around the basket. Right, right. But before before this line was created, everyone just thought like, who who, who why would you stand further away from from the hoop? And have less chance to actually shoot it. Right. Yeah. So famously, um, this guy's name is Jerry West. He used to play for the Lakers and he became its general manager throughout time. But now he's like 80, 81 years old. So he's just like a part-time consultant really for the Clippers. But he, um, he, uh, he was in the NBA finals one year. And he made like a really, really far away shot, like a Steph Curry shot, like the videos I showed you where he just shoots from really far away. Jerry West like made the shot. And but unfortunately, that year that he played, the three-point line wasn't invented yet. So that shot was just like a two-pointer shot. So what ended up happening was he tied the game, I think, and he went to overtime. But if it was a three-point shot, he would have won them the game. This is like NBA Finals, like the last game in the series. Like, um, maybe it was three three. I don't know. But if he if the three point line was invented during his time, it would have been a lot more beneficial. So was that one of those things that made people think that maybe this is a good idea? I'd say, yeah. I, I guess you could say it's it, it might be one one of the, those reasons. But I think the primary reason is just to open up the 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 the, the cl- uh, near the hoop, right? Just bring people outwards and not just all inwards. And yeah, so back back to the back to the question here. Uh, oh wait, wait. I have another like sub question regarding something you said earlier mm-hmm. about like the American Basketball League and the NBA. So there was there a time when like the NBA wasn't like the big league, I guess, for basketball. Yeah, the the NBA is kind of like the. The baby of like other smaller basketball leagues. So, so, could you say that like there was just like a bunch of like smaller leagues at the beginning that basically just like merged into like what the NBA is today now? Yeah. Now today, the NBA wasn't like the first one to like uh, come into existence. Uh, a lot of others like in the United States were there before. So, American Basketball League, like I said, and just like the ABA American basketball association. There used to be like two basketball leagues in the same country at one point until they merged and then it became the NBA. Mm. Oh, so there weren't, so there wasn't really like a big, like 
like nation there wasn't like a US wide league then. It was just more like centered around like a couple states or something. Or maybe more than a couple. So there used to be a lot less teams than there are now. So it wasn't like 30 teams back then. So back then it was probably like the teams on the, it started on the Eastern side first and then it moved out to the West. So I don't know. There might be like seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, but uh, this is like, we're going to deep basketball history right here. Sami. So that's like another, that's like another question in and of itself that would requires a lot of research but from what I know, it started off with just a very few amount of teams, and then it grew and expanded across the country. And that was before the sport actually became this popular then, right? Right, yeah. If you think about it, baseball baseball has been around a lot longer. Um, probably soccer, too. So basketball, basketball is a very young sport, uh, relatively. Okay, back to the question. Yeah. Was there one rule change that altered the nature of the game or is basketball generally the same game? So besides this three-point rule, are there any other like changes like that? I mean, not just even rules. Like, What sort of things that like, changed basketball into what it is today? Mm-hmm. So this is more a more recent rule change compared to the three-point line, which is the hand-checking rule. It was in uh, 2003 or four where they implemented it. Hand-checking is... It happens all the time. Like if you think about it, when you were, if you saw other kids playing basketball when you grew up, where you have the ball and then someone's trying to defend you, but they like kind of put their hand on your on your shoulder or, or arm or forearm or whatever to try to make it harder for you to um, run with the ball. So the problem with hand checking in the past was that things just got way too violent, and then players would get hurt. And, and they'll then, end up like in a lot of fouls, right? Yeah, and then no, no, that they wouldn't end up with a lot of fouls because it was legal. It wasn't considered like a foul then. Now it would be considered a foul, but before it would just be considered legal. Hand checking essentially is just having contact with the person that's uh, dribbling the ball. Like any contact, the entire or just like t- contact, like uh... contact is in. Um, like you're kind of just you're influencing the way that they that that they can move with the ball. So for example, like like hitting them kind of if you see if you just see like the old really old NBA videos where you see them you see them just like hitting hitting the other player and then them them falling down, but like they don't get punished for it. Hand checking is kind of like a it covers like a broad spectrum of these um, actions that used to happen that can't happen now. Um, I was watching a video yesterday of uh, Kenny Smith. He's like a famous broadcaster, NBA broadcaster. He was explaining the the hand check rule, where he was pointing out that nowadays when you have the ball and you run from one side of the court to the other side of the court, no one touches you, whereas in the old days, there there would be a guy that would be like running with you, running backwards, and trying to like like using their body to try to try to make it harder for you to like get through them, right? And then you just like get in your way as much as possible. Yeah, and like you could get hit and you maybe knocked down, and like it would be like totally legal back then. Um, so now, so nowadays, the only time that you can have your hand on the other person 
is when they're you're playing close to the basket and their back is pointed towards you. So then your hand could be on their back just to like prevent you from them just totally having their way and then just backing backing up on you and just like throwing it in the the, the basket. And then otherwise you can you can touch them like momentarily as long as like you don't influence the way that they're playing the game. So uh let's see. You can you can have your your hand on them, but like like only just a little bit, right? You can't you can't just like have your you hand. You can actually put your hand on them with like the intent to like stop them, right? Yeah, you can't have like so much pressure on your hand that causes their 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 body or body weight to like shift and then therefore affect their their gameplay. So you know, like you know those fancy dribbles that you see people do sometimes on a basketball court where they're just like doing all these crazy dribbles around their back and whatever in the past, like there's no way you could do that because people would just just, like put their their hands out and like grab it. Yeah. They they just have their hands on you all the time. So there's no room for you to do all that stuff. Um, Same thing with three pointers where if someone's always on you, you don't really have a lot of room to to, to shoot. Oh, yeah, as many. so that makes three pointers like way more difficult then, wouldn't it? Yeah. So the argument is, people like Steph Curry, they they would not have as many three pointers today as before. I mean, yeah, yeah, today as before. Oh, yeah. So that's why like debates between like which player is like better like across like a long time would actually be pretty difficult because like the game itself changed a lot then. Yeah. Um, this rule change, it's, I think every rule change that the NBA has, it's a result of trying to fix like many, many problems with one rule change, I guess. So when they change rules, they don't just change it because just like, just because they want to, no, no because there's a lot of like, a lot of arguments and they, they, that they see like needs to be fixed. So the NBA, like for example, used to be used to have this like image of violence like the sport with like a lot of violence because people would just get knocked down or or uh or just hit a lot and then it just wouldn't look good so this rule just like ensures like the protection of players well it's weird to think about that nowadays because you don't really think of basketball as like a violent sport right yeah but uh that's that's because the I guess the handshaking rule did its job to protect the players. So, and I think that we're we're good on question two. Okay. Well, now, okay for question three. Um, so, what's the relationship between like um, NBA owners and the rest of the franchise? Like, um, what sort of decisions can they make, and like how much like like how much can other people can like limit their power? I guess like is there any broad or like group authority that can contest them? Yeah. So owners, they literally own the team and the business, right? So they have like complete authority unless, unless the, the owner of the team is actually comprised of like multiple owners, for example, who each get a vote in the, in the system that they agree to. Um, but there's always one person that's designated like the representative of the team when uh, the league has like owner uh, meetings with the the owners they they're called like board of governors meeting where all 30 like owners or in this case they call them governors uh, they meet and they talk about the issues of the league 
So take the Lakers, for example. Yeah. It, it used to be owned by one guy. His name was Genie, uh, no, Jerry Buss, who's, uh, he went to like USC and everything. He had a PhD in chemistry. He was like an LA guy and he was there for Magic Johnson up to Kobe Bryant. Um, but then he passed away in 2013. Um, but when he passed, he left the ownership of the team to all of his kids. So the ownership group, it's an ownership group. It's called the Bus Jerry Bus Family Trust or something like that. So all of his kids, they get an equal share, I think. But Jeannie Bus, his daughter, is the managing owner. So she's like in charge of the day-to-day operations and decisions. But um, and then there, there was this like power move a couple of years ago where Jeannie had to take her brother Jim Bus to court to get him to like give up his managing managing power or whatever. You have to share or not? I think he's no, he still has his share. It's just that he had to give up his managing power. So give her the decision making abilities. Uh, because the past couple of years, the Lakers haven't been good. And the public image is that it's because his, her brother was the one in charge. So he just made like bad decisions, according to them. You could, you could argue that, I think. But yeah, as of right now, like, the Lakers are owned by the bus children, but it's just that Jeannie bus is in charge of like making the decisions. Um, oh, so other, I guess like other teams delegate to one person. Yeah. Other teams like um, the Clippers, they're just owned by the billionaire, Steve Ballmer, who used to be the CEO of Microsoft. As far as I know, there's no, there's no like group that, that, that owns it. It's just him really. Um, so they make the business decisions, but they also make the basketball decisions. So, and that's another thing I was wondering about. Yeah, so they they have the final call on who to trade, which new player to pick up, uh, which player to drop, um, how much money, how much money is to pay a player? Because let's say let's say they might not they might not believe in a player's ability, and they might not think that that player is worth that much uh, money. So they might just say no, like I don't want to pay for that player. So. It's always like the basketball general managers, they have to report to the owner. That's like the owner is like the only person that has more authority than the general manager or the uh, president of basketball operations. They report to the owner. In some cases, I think the Lakers, like Jeannie, she, she doesn't know the most about basketball. So she like defers the basketball decisions to like Rob Palinka, the general manager right now. Like even if if she had something to say, like she would say it, and then she has the final call, and they'd like follow it no matter what, right? Yeah, it's like some owners are just more involved with the basketball stuff, and some are just more involved with the business stuff and just making sure that they make a profit at the end of the year. I'd say I'd say Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks. He's a billionaire. He's on the Shark Tank. If you ever heard of him, yeah, he owns the Dallas Mavericks, and he's pretty involved with basketball. And I think it's just because he, he loves basketball, so he loves playing it, so that's why he's involved. But other owners, they might not have like a personal interest in basketball, so they just might kind of just sign off on the big big decisions, but otherwise they leave the small decisions to their general manager. They just on like the business side, but they leave like the game side to like others, right? Right. right. 
Um, I'm just saying that because most of the owners are in business somehow, like they're millionaires or billionaires. So they probably would care more about what they know, which is like the business side. Yeah. I mean, they're businessmen. Right. And then for us to like an authority, um, or a group that has authority over the owners, it would be probably be the commissioner or the league office itself in New York. They, they have the ability to find the team or find the owners if they say something that like puts the league in a bad light. So this usually happens where owners, they like publicly criticize the league for something as simple as like a referee missing a call or saying that referees were like trash that one game. They can just um, find the team or the owner a certain amount of money and then they'd have to pay it. That's the most common instance. And then, do you remember the Donald Sterling situation? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Right, yeah. So, he made, like, racist comments, and the commissioner had the power to, like, ban him from the NBA for life, and then find him $2.5 million, which is, like, the max allowed by the NBA constitution. But the commissioner, what he did was he banned... um, Donald Sterling from like any NBA affiliated area. So that's like Staples Center, the Clippers games, the training facility. Um, I think those are the main ones, but what he couldn't do was he couldn't, he couldn't force Donald Sterling to not be an owner anymore. So he can still own the team, but he can't like be there uh, at the facilities. But what happened was, the owners, they'd have to vote in like a three quarters of them. So out of the 30, 75% of them would have to vote on expelling him from the, the league as an owner. Um, I don't think they, I don't think they ever had to vote for that. I think Donald Sterling, he just, he was just convinced to sell it. So that's how Steve Ballmer like bought the team. Oh no, I remember what happened. His wife took him to court, I think. And his wife, um, took ownership of the team from him. And then his wife made the deal to sell to Steve Ballmer. And yeah, I think that covers it. Mm, okay. Or unless you have another question? Uh, I, I just thought of something, but never mind. Okay. Okay. Then, like, uh, so next one is more about like the statistics side. Um, so I know there's like offensive, sh- like, like stats, like shooting percentages, but what sort of like, uh, stats are there for defense if there are any there the the basic stats there aren't aren't many stats that like well in general there aren't many stats that like cover um defense well or um record defense well or portray the player uh the player's defensive skills um and the, the problem the problem um the reason why is because it's really hard to record or measure defense in a game because there's only so many things that you can measure that like makes sense you know like most of like uh let's see for example let's say you're playing two on two and you have the ball um you're dribbling the guy that's defending you he falls down for some reason and then your teammate he he makes a he makes a move where he uses his body to block the other player from trying to stop you from uh, scoring. 
that player played really good defense, right? Because he helped you get to the hoop and score without like anyone stopping you. But yeah. unfortunately in, in basketball, as far as I know, the there's no stat that measures what he just did by putting his body to block the other person from stopping you. That's like basic, the basic NBA stats called the box score stats where you see like points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, three-pointers made. Um, in, in the box score stats, you don't see that. In the advanced statistics, there might be something. I just don't know about it. But in general, defense isn't me- measured as well as other sports. Uh, people still try and like they still have some kind of statistic. But in, in general, the, there's no the stats defensively, they don't measure them as well as the offensive stats. Is that mostly because, like, let's say for offensive stats, you can mostly just, like, isolate it a bit because, like, you basically have to track that whenever someone makes, a, like, a shooting attempt, right? Yeah, exactly. But then for defensive, it's, like, a lot more, like, vague because, like, like uh, people are just, like, moving around the entire time and then making attempts to, like, block and everything, right? Right. And then the technology is getting better. Every Every NBA stadium... They have like special cameras that, that that track each player, and and you see them as like circles, and they just like move around, move and move around the court, and then the system kind of classifies that as like some basketball move, like a pick and roll or something. The technology is getting better, but it's just it's still hard to for like computers to track it all. So it kind of it, it's relied um, the NBA scouts and the people watching games like in person it kind of relies on like their subjective judgment to evaluate like which player has the, but like is more defensive minded. So like when you watch a game, you can kind of see like which players think about defense more. Um, Patrick Beverly, LA Clippers, he doesn't score that many points, but he's known to be like a really annoying guy. Like you see him on highlight reels and he's kind of like up in LeBron's face or something in a really like annoying way. What he what he does in games is that he like he taunts the other players a lot and then he just like um, he baits them. Yeah. Like he tries to get them to flinch or just you know break and he, it works sometimes. I can, I consider that good defense, right? Because he's annoying he's annoying the other person. But again, you can't you can't measure how how well he annoys the other person. Yeah. You like, just see like on video where uh, the players just get so mad that like they, they just like push him away or something. I consider that defense because that, that affects the other person and how they play the game. But other oh. things like that's like the mental side of defense, the physical side of defense. Um, I wrote down like as an answer here, imagine like you're playing basketball against someone who has eyes all around their head. Like they have 360 degree vision. Yeah. <clears throat> so when they're defending you, they can run backwards. They can run sideways. They can they see anything that tries to stop them. They can run around like your your teammate trying to block them. That's like another sign of like good defense. Where you see on highlights, I think of like Clay Thompson, Golden State Warriors. He shoots the ball really well, just like Steph Curry. But he's also a really good defender, and the reason why is because his he just he just know he, there's just some way like he 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 just learned how to play, or he's naturally good at defense where. It's like he has 360 degree vision, and he can I just. I guess you could say he has like good like spatial awareness. Yeah, yeah, you can I mean, say like that. hearing too. Yeah, he he can stay really close on you. 
he can, he's not hand checking you, right? He's not like slapping your arm or anything, but he's staying really close and he's running around all the obstacles that are trying to get in his way. And he puts his hand up in your face at the right time. So like he makes you shoot the hardest shot. He, you don't get like to shoot easy shots against him. That's another way of like telling uh, good defense. Yeah. So I would, so I guess you could say there's like too many forms of defense to track as well. Right. Yeah, it's also, it's just very subjective. Because, like, you know when you're shooting, you're just shooting, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, when you're doing defensive maneuvers, there's just enough that, like, you did, like, have trouble, like, categorizing them enough to make, like, stats for that. Right, right. There, there. I'm sure there are, like, stats for defense, but I'm just saying in your for your question where is there, like, a – you're basically asking is there, like, a – equality between offensive and defensive and the answer is like no because offensive probably has way more stuff because it's easier to measure and that's like the like you're saying like the main stats are called like the box stats right they're called the the box score stats yeah the box score stats okay because because when you look up stats for a game you you always see those stats in a in a box and uh the other stats the advanced stats you don't really see it in like uh, the usual like NBA app, for example. You have to like really look for it. Uh, I wrote down here. Um, imagine you're, you're 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 being covered by someone, and they're not touching you, but they give you like no space to move, and the clock is like winding down. You have 24 seconds to shoot, but like you have to you have to make a crazy jump to get out of their reach and just like throw the ball at the, the, the hoop to avoid getting a, a 24 second violation. That's, that's good defense generally. But that's also not something that you can really track. Right. Right. Like that, that player, like it's, it's in order to measure defense, you have to assign credit to someone. Right. But in that yeah. case, in that case, you, you can't really assign credit. Um, yeah. You can't really assign credit to anyone, even though that player was like, really good at getting um forcing the other person to be in that situation where it's hard to shoot the ball and hard to get out of it you can't really assign credit to that person mm-hmm. um so steel, i guess we had to judge defense like uh, qualitatively then right not quantitatively you probably can judge it quantitatively but you'd have to look at the advanced statistics for something i don't even know what those advanced statistics are right oh do you not look at those i do look at them but i can't I don't really look at them a lot because I, I don't know that much about them. That's why I should probably learn. You're right. But from, I'm talking from like a, just a casual fan, I guess. Um, unless you're really working in basketball and you're involved with the statistics, um, it's really hard to, to evaluate defense. You just have to watch. And then, but when you watch your, your opinion is totally, it could be totally different from someone else who watches the game. I was going to say something, but I just lost my train of thought. Remember it all? Okay, I, I totally lost it. Maybe I'll think of it later, but... Okay, I guess we move on then. Yeah. Okay, so now uh, I'm wondering, uh, so what do people use to decide, like, the, what's the other criteria to decide, like, uh, who gets the most valuable player award? So that's voted on by the sports writers and broadcasters in the industry. So it's like really, the media people? Media people, yep. There's not really a set criteria. 
um, the NBA, they just send like an email to those people and oh, tell so them, just like based on voting then, right? Yeah, tell them to submit their votes, and it's done by like a first place voting, second place, third place for MVP, and depending on like what vote you get, you get like points. So, I think the first place vote you just get five points, and then second place you get three, third place you no, get so it's four. like ranked voting then. Yeah. So like each person gets like a who do you pick for your first, second, third? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just for in case for a year where there's no clear consensus on who it is. The past couple of years, it's always kind of been clear. Like last year, almost everyone voted for Giannis Antetokounmpo for uh, MVP. A couple of people voted for LeBron. So in that case, it would look like Giannis would get first place and then LeBron would get second place, for example. But it's just that last year, almost everyone voted Giannis for number one and then LeBron number two or something. Um, so there's no set criteria, but the the prop the popular criteria that we've seen is like how valuable are they to the team? They could be scoring like 50 points per game, but like the team might only win 20 games that season. So, so basically, like, what difference do they make to the team? Yeah, the difference maker for the team. I mean, yeah, it's the most valuable player for the team then. Right. Um, number two. Their stats are really high compared to most NBA players. So some combination of their points per game, rebounds per game, assists, steals, blocks, uh, three-pointers made, all those numbers, they should be higher than the majority of players. So, you know, they have to be like outliers in the league compared they, – they can't be just like in the average for the, in those numbers. Yeah, so already like higher like statted players would be the ones who are like considered for this award, right? Right. I have uh, Giannis's MVP numbers from last year. His averages were like twenty-seven points, twelve rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block, and he made fifty-seven percent of like his field goals last year. So two pointers, three pointers. James Harden the year before, thirty points, five rebounds, eight assists, two steals. Um, I think every year the discussion it starts with like five ish people and it gradually narrows down to two to three at the end of the season. Um, there's the ones who like people vote on, right? These are the people that are just like talked a lot on social media and, um, in the media on, on podcasts or shows, for example, where it's always like 20 games in. People are like, okay, guys, who's the MVP? I have Giannis as the MVP, and then another guy has LeBron or whatever. And then 60, 40 games in, 60 games in, same thing. But then the list narrows down to two or three. So last year, the it was just like between Giannis and James Harden, I think. Yeah, Giannis and James Harden. If you notice, like, the numbers, um, they look really similar, the two to three the two to three people that are in talks for the MVP race, their numbers look very similar. So they could be averaging this almost the same amount of points, rebounds, steals, assists, blocks, whatever. So that's when things get really controversial, I guess, for between the fans and the media. The media At that point, it's more up to interpretation, right? What was that? At that point, it's more up to like interpretation, right? Like your interpretation. Yeah. So the media... I've seen them generally vote on like the same people, I guess. 
Like they, they usually tend to agree for the most part on who's MVP, but it's just like with the fans that fans like think totally different things, but um, media members are kind of in agreement most of the time, but it's yeah. just, it's just like take, for example, like LeBron and Giannis, they score a lot. They, uh, they're really tall players. They rebound a lot. Um, they're pretty good, like assists, pretty good with like making plays for people. Um, LeBron's a better three point shooter. Um, LeBron has more experience. He, uh, if you take LeBron away from the Lakers this season, they would not be doing as good. If they took Giannis away, his team would probably still be as good. Yet this season, most people, most people, the uh, media members, I, I'm saying, they they were thinking that Giannis was the MVP. And is that fair? Like I don't know, because if you took Giannis is on like a really good team, like they're really balanced. But if you take him away, I, I still think they would be, they would still be good like this season mm, i mean wouldn't that mean that like basically like um the only like if you're a good player on a really good team that that does that mean you're not gonna have that much of a chance to get the sword no that's not true so wait what what are you trying what are you trying to argue here i'm trying to say that like uh so like uh like you're saying like uh the lakers without lebron would be doing a lot worse right mm-hmm yeah, and that makes it makes like uh they could say that that makes them like uh more of like a like it makes it better like suited for to be the MVP then right? I think so. I don't, I don't know what how the media members think about this, but I I do. It's like one of many things that they consider when they're voting. But I mean, let's say like he was on like a like they just moved LeBron to a team that was already like really good, right? Mm-hmm. And then does that mean he'll have less of a chance for the award then? Yeah, you could say that, but it's not the MVP vote, it's very fluid. It's you know, things change, I guess, and it's all it's always dependent on the situation. But in some ways, yeah, you're right. Um, for example, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, he 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 didn't get MVP. Yeah, know? like no one on the Warriors would be considered like for the MVP at this point, right? Um, at this point, well, right now, Kevin Durant's not on there on the team anymore. Steph Curry Maybe is not there. at this point. I meant like uh, last year. Oh, last year. Like, if you look at the numbers, right, the basic stats, KD had like really good numbers. But again, no one, no one thought of him as the MVP because he just, you take him away and you could barely notice the the in, the impact of him uh, not being on the team, they they almost won the championship last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So impact is what's important. The, it's I, I wouldn't say impact. I wouldn't. It's really hard to just narrow it down. Like what I did was narrow it down from what I I saw were the criteria for MVP. But if you hear all the voters in in other shows or whatever talk about their opinions they always have different things to say somehow they just always agree on the on the mvp though oh so it's pretty subjective on the criteria but then people end up like finding the same person though right uh usually usually yeah usually um, okay and it's, it's just, like a secondary question but um, um uh so you're like saying like they send out like the, the voting to like the certain like members of the media right yeah. Who like gets who like gets this like uh, opportunity? 
it's all based on experience and reputation. And uh, the NBA, they release like a, a spreadsheet every year of uh, the voters and how they voted. So you can expect like, I don't know how many, how many sports media people you know, ex- besides from me, of course. But uh, Bill Simmons, uh, a lot of ESPN people, a lot of like national writers. So like they don't just cover one team, but they write on the whole NBA. All around. How many people do they like send that to? Like how many people get to vote? I think 30 or 40 from last time I looked at the spreadsheet. But it's always like nationally recognized people working in the sports media that get to vote. How, how, many, how many sports media people do you actually know, Sami? Not that many. Do you know who Bill Simmons is? No. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. It's fine. I'm the sports media person. Yeah, yeah, you'll tell me if I need to know. Yeah. All right. What else do I have? Okay. So let's go. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, what were you going to say, Adam? I was just going to say I I covered everything I wanted to for that question. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have any more sub-questions left. So, okay, let's go on to question seven. What are your thoughts on the NBA draft age? Draft. Oh, okay. So right now they have to be at least 19 years old or oh. one year out of college. Um, it's called the one and done rule. Oh, I thought the one year out of college was like, uh, so does that mean like if you're 19, but you but you can still go even if you're not out of college, not one year in college? Yeah. So either you're 19 or you've been one year out of college. Oh, so that's what the one and done rule? The one and done rule is people think of it as just like players who go to college for one year and then they just go play professionally. That's all. Um, There's talks about changing that to just 18 and then allowing high school players to just start playing in the NBA immediately. Cause that's how it used to be where players like Kobe or LeBron, they just came out of high school and they started playing professionally. Um, I'm totally for it. Um, I think like, if in this country people when you when you turn 18 you're considered an adult i think you, you should go be, to the military and everything yeah i think you should be allowed to make your own decisions about what what you want to do with your career and until until recently where players have to go to college and then they have to play for free where people with the people in charge they're making like millions of dollars maybe billions of dollars from the college basketball uh, so like they got a lot of money from like free labor pretty much. Yeah. And then a lot of players, they just get hurt. They just get injured in college. They just have some freak accident. Do they, they not just, get any compass? They should get compensation, right? They probably get their, their, their um, medical treatments paid for. But the, the issue is like, if you get into a freak accident in college that just ends your career there and you didn't even get to the NBA, like you could be, you could be um you could be viewed as the number one player in the country in college and you might be considered the next LeBron James. But there just might be that one freak accident in one game in college and that'd be just the end of your career right there. You know? So what I'm saying is wouldn't it be better to let these eighteen year olds go play professionally and try to make some money for for themselves? And if they get and like you'd rather 
have your career end while you're in the NBA than you're while you're in college, you know? So basically give them the chance to like actually play the real game. Right. Um, counter argument to that is right now, a lot of kids like in the country, they're playing way too much basketball and they're getting like really serious injuries before they even turn 18. So some people think college is better because you're giving them time for their body, uh, giving time for their bodies to like um, get to its peak and grow and just be stronger in general. So that when they get to the NBA where they're playing way more games, 82 games a year, that way they don't, they won't get injured as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you're saying is like uh, the counter arguments, like saying that, um, as they like grow up, though, like uh, they'll try to play more. Like as they get closer to the NBA, but like if you give like the extra year for like college, then they'll like uh, basically ramp up around that time instead of ramping up early in high school, right? Um, I think I think we're saying the same thing. What I'm saying is, um, recently the trend is people just they uh, kids is they start playing professional. Uh, they don't, they start playing basketball, like way too much every week, like maybe every day or every weekend where they're playing five games every weekend. Right. And yeah. their bodies just get injured. Like they, they sprain an ankle or, or something. So when they're 18, their body has gone through like so many injuries. That's usually unnatural for an 18 year old to go through. So if, if we let them just go straight to the NBA where they're playing a game, like every other night, or maybe back-to-back nights against professionals who play a lot faster and harder, they might it, they might be susceptible to even worse injuries or more um, more injuries happening for them during the season. That's a counter argument, and that's only because kids are just playing way too much basketball and they're not giving themselves a break. Because you know, a lot of reasons, but one of them is this this like competition atmosphere where if you're not playing basketball then someone else is and they're they're gonna be better than you and yeah, it is a competitive just, sport so like people want to spend more time playing it yeah it's it's sad the competition aspect of it but yeah that's the kind of argument to letting them play out of high school so like that one year for like college basically serves as like serves to like make them like um like basically play less than play less what do you what do you mean I mean, like, uh, you're, like, uh, so the reason, like, uh, you don't want people coming straight out of high school is because, like, there's always there's already like a lot of like basketball going on, and then they already like accumulate like more injuries than they should have. So then they just go from that and then go into the NBA where they like have like uh, to play a game like every other day, like you're saying. I'm sorry. Wait, you're saying uh, college go to college so that they can get ready for the NBA or? Um, how do, okay, I'm not sure like how to say it to be honest. Never mind, we'll get back to this like later, maybe. Okay. Uh, another thing is college is kind of a waste of time for them because every school they play differently, and but in general, college they just play differently than the entire NBA. So in the NBA, they kind of have to like relearn how to play basketball essentially. Just so basically, of- just learn a different style for like an entire year. Some of them they they play for four years or three years, so. Oh yeah, if they don't like just get out like in the first year, right? Right. Um, there, there's this big um ESPN article last summer 
by this guy. His name is Baxter Holmes, who um, he did research on on uh, just like the health implications of kids right now entering the league, where they just get like injuries. Um, their bodies are just like in a less healthy state than people who who uh, played like ten years ago when they were entering the league, and he he is making an argument that what I was just saying was that these kids have been playing basketball for every day or something or every weekend for the, their whole lives. So when they get to the NBA, their bodies are just kind of like broken and just not healthy. So their careers just like end really quickly. So that's what, that's where I was drawing my argument from. What was the difference in, uh, from 10 years ago though? Was like the age limit higher or something? 10 years ago. Um, kids weren't playing basketball so aggressively and competitively when they were in their teens, teenager years. Um, like Kobe, when he was a, a kid, he wasn't playing basketball every weekend. Like he was, he was living in Italy for some time and then Philly, Philadelphia. But he, he said he never played basketball so aggressively like kids do now. Oh, where, so the competition where, actually got more intense in like recent years for like yeah, high like school basketball. Yeah. Like there weren't, the there's this uh, tournament called the or not tournament but AAU. It's like a basketball league for kids, and they they have like tournaments every weekend. And these kids are going to the tournaments every weekend where they would play two or three games back to back every weekend. Sorry, like Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or something. Or even yeah, during pretty the, damn intense. Or even during the week or weeknights, they have practice like every night. You know, for a kid. Yeah whose bodies are just growing. So back then, like there wasn't this much organized basketball at a young age. So is that the reason you say that like, uh, you could say that the kids are playing more is cause like there's like more like organized basketball for, at the high school level. Yes. And then also the competitive competitive aspect that I mentioned before where everyone wants to be a professional basketball player. Oh yeah. That's what I was talking about too. Like how come do you think the competition is so much more now? Because, like, they, they see how much money. Like, one way, one, one way you can see it is, um, if you make it to the NBA, you're like set for life. That's probably yeah. the aspect for a lot of people, right? Like, you're a millionaire then, pretty much, right? Or if you're like lower class, and basketball is the only skill that you have, and you think making it to the league will will set you up for life. So then you not, you look around you, and then other people are thinking the same thing. So you try to like think of how ways to like get ahead of them. But wouldn't and, people be thinking the same thing ten years ago though? But there wasn't organized basketball back then, or there wasn't the technology or the science to to help you go through it. I guess. I don't, maybe it's just like a culture thing where back then it just wasn't part of the culture to play basketball all the time, every time, every day. Do you think social media also had a role in that? Possibly, yeah. Like you, you look at other people, and you're like, "Who's also trying to get into the NBA?" And you're like, "What can I do to get ahead of them?" So I'll play like I'll play three times a day. Oh, he's playing like five times a day. Like I'll play six times a day. So it just keeps ramping up and up. Then right, yeah. That's that's what the article, um, ESPN article, is saying. Where they're trying to get 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 a leg up of from everyone. So you know, probably ten year olds or something playing in AAU tournaments. You know, totally yeah. unnatural. So that's way too intense, wouldn't it be? Yeah. So that's the that's the situation right now with the uh, younger people trying to play professionally. 
Oh, so this is a little like a pretty contentious issue. Uh, contentious? What do you What do you mean by contentious? I mean, is this something that like people are still arguing on, or about like the draft age? Yeah, the people we're still talking about it because, you know, like on one on the one hand, you um, they're they're um they're playing basketball for free while their bosses are making millions off of them. Yeah, just like free entertainment, pretty much. Yeah, but now, but now the 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 NCAA they made a rule change where players in starting in 2023, 2025, somewhere around there, they'll start to be able to accept endorsements, I think, and make money. Oh yeah, that kind of answered another question that I was actually gonna like ask about, like, um, like I I remember hearing about something going on about um college players and whether they should get payment or not. Yeah, so they they made a rule change this year. Starting in 2025, I think, I think, um, where players in college will start to get endorsements, or they're allowed to get paid or get endorsements and make money. Um, but before then, it's just like really unfair, where they they wouldn't be allowed to make any money and just have to play for free. Um, and then you, in the past couple of weeks, um, there's been a couple of high school players who, or college players, and or that they, they decided to skip on college or drop out of college and just go play professionally, not in the NBA, but like in other leagues around the world and also the NBA G League. The G League, like I said before, is like the junior varsity. It's just um, like the secondary league kind of, right? Yeah. So, But they still get paid. They don't get paid as much, but they get paid like $50,000-ish. Maybe that's the average, which is okay, which is okay, but in compared to like nothing, you know? Um, so then the issue with that is that it, the, it's a good, like the NCAA, they've been like really lagging on this decision for a while. And because of them being so slow, like in this pandemic, players are just like, they, they're just skipping out on college and just doing other things instead. So uh, eventually you might see the problem where there's no stars left in college basketball. Everyone is just going to the G League or other leagues around the country. So college basketball will pretty much be like done as like a thing then, right? It's or not done completely, but just like reduced a lot from what it is right now. It has a potential to like be that way if they don't like provide like, more incentives for, for players to play in college versus going to the G League or playing professionally somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, is this this is pretty much an issue with like all college sports, right? Yes, but you know, college sports aren't you know watched equally you know yeah like college basketball and college football are like what i'm talking about yeah those are the two main ones that people talk about a lot obviously i think that's it thanks sami you got that feeling